Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. And that Super Bowl that Ross just told us about was the lowest scoring in NFL history. So the game may have been a bigger win for college and high school football programs here in Georgia. It was a mini reunion for two players who bleed red and black, as we heard. Todd Gurley plays for the Los Angeles Rams and Sony Michelle plays for the Patriots, both former Georgia Bulldogs. And John Nelson hosts the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here to tell us how they got their start and how they got to Super Bowl 53. But but also filling us in on some other Georgians who left it all in the field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. John, welcome. Ross and Taylor. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you, you can get your See, in. I almost, okay, no, actually, here, let, let's start here. What, this will be the last prop bet of the Roman numeral classic weekend. Number of points scored by New England or the length of this segment, which is more? Uh, that's gonna be the that's gonna be your last prop bet for the weekend. Is it see that's that's what we're gonna be paying attention to for the rest of the segment. So Well, you said that they were in control. You were in the control room. Yes, you, you, oh, I keeping almost yourself char- from charging I in. charged into this room when they started talking about things. Oh, so before we get to the question about Georgia players, here's your chance. Refute uh-huh. the argument from Ross and Taylor. Okay, I said defensive masterpiece, and I think that really it comes down to what you like as a football fan. Do you like to see 4340? which a lot of folks do these days because they like to do like to be entertained with what's going on in front of them. Or if you like pitchers duels in baseball, I know that some folks are like that. You know, if you like to see how a Greg Maddox used to, to work on the mound or something like that, to see something like a 13-3, I think that you look at what the defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, what Bill Belichick did for New England and what Wade Phillips did for the Rams. I thought it was great game planning to keep the strengths of each teams away from each other. And yet yeah, it was 3-3 after 3, and that was another one. No Super Bowl uh, touchdowns, 500-to-1-odd payout in Vegas. And I bet you the guy who put you know 20 bucks down after three quarters is sitting there thinking, yeah, I've got it, I've got it, and then Sony Michelle scores, and then it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> so not great for the betters. Great for, let's say, the long view? Is that what you mean? Well, I think that if you, if you look at things uh, this way when it comes to... You're looking at the long view for the NFL. I think that what you've seen is in Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches that the NFL's ever had, and taking a team that was porous defensively at points and figuring out a way to keep the high-powered Los Angeles Rams offense from scoring. And then what you do is you see the strengths. For the Rams, the strengths are Jared Goff, the passing game, being in rhythm, making sure that Todd Gurley is going to get his yards, whatever. The Patriots found a way to take that away, blitzing from all uh, all corners and figuring out how to have more of them going up against uh, blockers against Jared Goff. And then for the Rams, you take away what Tom Brady's strength is, but then they figured out a couple of things. Josh McDaniels made the adjustments. Belichick admitted as much where you get you knew that Gronkowski was going to get his. You knew Julian Edelman, who was having a great day. He was, Amazing game. And so he was getting everything early. And by the way, my MVP selection before the game started, Julian Edelman, thank you, I'm a genius, but... It's figuring out the adjustments that you need to do in-game. And those defensive coordinators cause the questions for those guys. And Ross and Taylor are, let's say, half right. Let's put it that way. Okay, so I'll let you carry on the rest of that argument in the newsroom and on Twitter. How's that? Okay, but now at I OSG get... Nelson. 
I want to get to some of these Georgia players who Never participated. Todd Gurley, you mentioned, Sony yeah. Michelle, star running backs at UGA. Any highlights of their respective college careers, let's say, come to mind? Well, obviously, you talk about Sony and him losing a national championship in the same building about, uh, well, about 13 months previous. And he was asked about it after the game, and he really didn't dwell on it all that much. He's, uh, he's If I'm remembering the, the interview correctly and how he phrased it, he said, be where your feet are. Hmm. And so he was very present tense in making sure that it's like, I'm here, I'm here to do this job, I'm here in this moment, and I did what I was supposed to do, and it showed up with a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Todd Gurley, 2017 NFL Offensive Player of the Year, last summer signed a four-year, $60 million contract extension mm-hmm. with the Rams. How has his pro career been going? Uh, been going great, except for the the knee injury that happened late in the regular season. He had uh, 10 carries, 35 yards. He was active in the first play on offense for the Rams, and then pretty much it was left to C.J. Anderson. I know that Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams, said that he, it was his fault for not integrating Gurley into the offense as much as he should have, hmm. but I think that there's more there to that late-season injury than everybody's letting on. Uh, I know that the Rams aren't going to say anything, and I know that Sean's not going to tell me anything, but I think that there was more to that late-season injury. Well, we want to get to McVay in a minute because of his Georgia roots, but first, let's talk about the, the little rivalry between the two of them, uh, Tar- Gurley and Michelle. Here's a little bit of the back-and-forth and press conferences leading up to the Super Bowl. Here's Todd Gurley. I helped recruit him at Chubb. I'm the reason him and Chubb got to Georgia. Y'all should be thanking me. Hopefully everything I taught him, he don't do it. So, And he just played like he used to play before I taught him everything. Snap. And here's Sony Michelle, as you mentioned, who scored the only touchdown, talking about his relationship with Todd Gurley at UGA and at the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, he was just behind our back 100%, just telling us to keep working, go out there and play our hearts out. And this year, I'm just excited for him. I'm excited to see him go out there and be able to play some ball. You know, he's been working probably his whole life for this opportunity. What will you say to him after you win? Let me get that jersey. <laughs> there you go. All right, so Todd Gurley playfully taking credit for Sony Michelle's skills. Sony Michelle also acknowledged how much Gurley supported him. Their first Super Bowl, both of them. Mm-hmm. How did they play yesterday? You mentioned Michelle. Yeah, Sony Michelle had, I want to say, close to 90 yards in the touchdown. Todd Gurley, his touches were limited, 10 carries, 35 yards. And so a big cog in the Rams' offense was held in check. And by the way, updating social media, it looks like Gant has sent me an Emmanuel Macron gif (laughs) when it comes to our argument from the first block of the show. So you're going to have a good handshake, a good long handshake? Oh, yeah, it's going to be a good long handshake. We're going to sit there and figure out who has the tightest grip and who hangs out the longest. Let's hear just a highlight. This is when Sony Michelle scored again, the only touchdown of the entire Super Bowl. First play in the red zone. The first one for the game on either side from the two. First and goal. Running it for the touchdown. Sony Michelle. So the Georgia Bulldogs, well represented in this Atlanta Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Here is Todd Gurley talking about the program at UGA. I mean, it speaks for itself. You know, we got got guys all around this league, and you know, great players. So, um, you know, Georgia's done a. I mean, obviously, not Georgia, it's us, but you know, they've done a great job of, of helping us get to the league. So a little bit of mixed praise there. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs uh, had to practice over at Georgia Tech. And Bill Belichick was asked about it, about the, the Bulldogs having to practice over on uh, North Avenue. He said, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get over it. That's my best Bill Belichick. I could do this early in the morning. <laughs> 
Yeah, don't get over I it. I think you were a little too emphatic kind of for Bill uh, yeah, Belichick, Yeah, too many exclamation perhaps. points. I mean, yeah, they'll get over it. Well, beyond Gurley and Michelle, there's also David Andrews, Rameek Wilson, Isaiah Wynn, Wynn, who's currently injured. What is it that makes UGA Georgia such a powerhouse when it comes to producing NFL caliber players like Gurley, Michelle, and Wynn? Well, you look at what Georgia has been able to do traditionally, and the Southeastern Conference has always been one of those conferences in college football that has produced the largest number of athletes that are ready-made for the National Football League. And you look at Georgia Tech with Shaq Mason, the athletic, the uh, AC is another part of that. And then you have other programs within the state of Georgia that are that are building too. You get a guy like Ulrich John who went to Bradwell Institute down on the coast and he was on the injured list for the Patriots, didn't get to play in the, the Roman numeral classic, but he was a part of the Georgia State program, which is now developing too. So you have, you've got Georgia, you've got Georgia Tech, you've got Georgia State, and the Southeast is that one of those big hubs for student athletes to get to out of high school and get to college and then get to college and be ready made for pros. I mean, you look at a guy like David Andrews who went to the Wesleyan school here in Atlanta, and he's been Tom Brady's center and one of the offensive captains for the last three years now. So, Ulrich John, I want to pick up on that. Currently on the injured reserve on the Patriots side, got a very early start playing high school football in Hinesville, Georgia. Played for Georgia State before mm-hmm. going to the Patriots. Give us a little bit more of his story. Well, you think about the way things are with high school athletics these days. And really, when you look at a place like Hinesville and Bradwell Institute and how a coach like Matt Lazat has been able to build things there the last couple of years, but when you have an athlete like, say, a Warren McClendon, who's just down the coast in Brunswick, you have an, an Ulrich John, size doesn't lie. And coaches are always looking for those athletes that can do things very well, very nimbly, And regardless of where you are these days, you will be found. And so you could be in Hinesville. You could be a Trent Brown who is at Westover in Albany, who ends up going to Georgia Military and the University of Florida. So you're looking at, let me see if I can do this right. Okay. Atlanta, Albany, Carrollton, uh, Ufoma Kamala was at Stars Mill. You had uh, Ulrich John at Bradwell. You had Gerald Everett at Columbia. and Jonathan Jones at Carrollton? Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Jones and Carrollton. So you have Albany, Carrollton, Atlanta, Hinesville, and DeKalb County. So you have all these different pockets in the state of Georgia that were represented last night one way or the other or in the the regular season. And Georgia was the fourth, if my memory is right with math, and there's no math. Math for me early in the morning is tough. Uh, I want to say that Georgia was the fourth highest represented state when it came to the rosters here in in, uh, Super Bowl 53. So you watch this. You watch these programs Uh bubble up. You watch how they function. Why do you think Georgia has it? I think they've always had it. And you look at you look at how things have grown and you have programs like Valdosta, like Fitzgerald, like Colquitt County. Uh, like things are in Columbus and Savannah and Lincoln County in in Lincolnton out by Augusta. And it's the fact that they've been there so long. You're talking programs that are almost 100 years old and some who are more than 100 years old now. And it's those traditions that have been there, the programs and the towns, and they wrap themselves around these athletes and around these programs, and they represent and they make sure that their students and their student athletes are taken care of well and they know where they're coming from. And it's just really the, the love, if you want to call it that, that these teams and these towns have for each other that's mutually inclusive. 
And to see them on the big stage like this, it's the town's always going to be there for you. I mean, you look at a guy like Cam Jordan for the Saints, who is from Moultrie. You know that Moultrie's always going to be there. You know that everybody's going to be calling, making sure that you're okay, even though you're far away from home. And it's just that, that love that's there that you get growing up. It's there in high school. High school never leaves you. Well, that's a kind of, it's a beautiful picture. Yes. But given that there the injuries in sports and given that the controversies with the NFL, do you see any of these programs pulling back? Define, define pulling back for me. I mean, you, you have programs, that, I think that with coaching, I think that if you look at it this way, with coaching and taking care of the student athlete, I think that that's going to be key because I think if you look at, say, what USA Football is doing with the Heads Up Initiative, making sure that you're you're leading with things other than your head when you're tackling, and you have things like roll tackling, like you see in Seattle that Pete Carroll instituted, taking care of the student, taking care of the student athletes so they have longer lives, even if it's not just in football, to make sure that they're still walking when they're 35 and 38, as mm-hmm. opposed to just, you know, not being able to function as an athlete. All right, we got to wrap, but we mentioned Sean McVay, an al- alumni of uh, Marist School. The Marist School. Yeah, just 33, became the youngest coach in NFL history at, in 2017. Quickly, tell us about his time at Marist. Oh, one of the coldest championship games I ever covered. December 19th, 2003 at Marist, and they were going up against Statesboro, and I remember that one. That was the last championship that Marist actually had was back in 2003, and you knew that he was an absolute genius. Photographic memory. Amazing dude. John Nelson, host of GPB's Football Fridays and Georgia podcast. John, where can we find you to, uh, you know, have a little debate on Twitter? At OSG Nelson on Twitter. And if you took the over for this segment versus Patriots points, you won. <laughs> John, thanks so much. Anytime. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.